0: I hope you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. We're walking through the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, and we're talking about a talk. That's what a sermon really is, a talk that transformed, because what He's trying to do in that sermon is make His disciples understand what life in the kingdom, serving the King, should be like. It's really like. So we're looking at Matthew 6. If you don't have your own copy of Scripture, grab that black Bible, look something like this, and in that seat in front of you, and you turn to page, uh, it's 803, so the scripture's on page 803 in that one, and we're going to walk through several sections here, we're going to look at the first four verses to begin with. As we begin, we're looking at uh, how we uh, want to check our hearts today. Where's your heart, is the title of the sermon, and uh, you know, when you... You go in and you get a certain age, and the doctor thinks you need an EKG or a stress test, and they start putting those monitors on you, and and all those things that pull your hair off your chest if you if you're a man. Or, I don't I don't know about women, if all that. And, and but what what happens there, and and you know your your vital organ in your body is getting checked out because you know what. Pumps blood through your veins. What really gives life to you. What gives you oxygen. Is crucial to your well-being. What's the same in the scripture. Our spiritual hearts. It's the center of decisions. It's the center not just of of emotions. But it's the center of attention and affection. And commitments. That we make. The Lord. It's our heart, and so we want to evaluate that with a three questions today on your on your the back of the bulletin, on your outline. They'll be on the screen as well, and just ask where are you in these various areas. The first one is this: as we look at that on the back of your bulletin, do you have a heart for those in need? Boy, there's lots of folks in need in our world right now. Are there not? As I thought about that, I thought about what Jesus. I talked about in Matthew 25 at doing things to the least of these. Those folks who are are poor, those folks who are are sick, those folks who are are lonely, those folks who are naked or hungry, he's saying if you've done it unto the least of these, you've served him. In our world, what does that look like? Well, I know for sure there are some, some folks in hospitals and folks in nursing homes and family of folks who are in nursing homes, who need your touch and your encouragement because they can't see their loved ones as much as they want to. They can't be with their loved ones as much as they want to. And so we think about those kind of folks, and we think about folks who are actually quarantined from, by this virus and are actually sick from it, and we, we lift those folks up, but we look for tangible ways to give. And to help. Look at the scripture. Jesus' teaching here says, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't you do, or don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Do, does your heart just ache for folks who are, are in need at, at this moment? Jesus says, when you give to those in need. He doesn't say, if you give. Disciples, he's per- teaching his disciples, those who follow Jesus. It's not an option if you give. It's when you give to those in need. Make sure you don't do it for show." Sure. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8 on the screen says this, If there is among you anyone in need, a member of your community in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. Now, I know you might not can meet every need that you know about, but you just meet the ones that you can, that the Lord has laid on your heart. You just continue to be a generous that way. You continue to be a, a cheerful giver that way because that's what he's called us to do, to take care of the needs of other folks, especially during a time like this. So we've got to check our hearts because all the time, There are folks that we think, well, they don't deserve this or that, they don't deserve that, but we forget we don't deserve anything either. And God has blessed us so tremendously, and the reason that He blesses us is to be a blessing to folks around us, to encourage and help and give where we can give. That's money, but it's much more than that as well. I mean, if you can meet a need financially, and you know of a need financially... Do that. That's a very tangible way that we uh, show our heart. Because what we're going to look at in just a moment is money grabs our hearts. And we don't want that to happen. And so an open hand, not tight-fisted, releases that very area that grabs our heart. But there are other areas besides just money. There are a lot of folks who are emotionally in need right now. They need a call. They need a visit if you can visit them. They need a card. They need encouragement. Just to know that everything's going to be okay with their family. They need us to be the salt and light that God has called us to be emotionally. And God's called us to be those kind of people to bear one another's burden as we mentioned already. But you know what? Let's never forget that there are people in need all around us and these opportunities open up that their greatest need is not emotional or physical. You and I know if we're followers of Jesus Christ, it's Jesus. It's spiritual. So every week we come together to prepare ourselves to be able to share Jesus with the people around us that God has given us in our neighborhoods and in our families, and in our workhouse. That's why we so focus on that, because we know that God wants to use us. I know, you know, people I don't know. Don't leave it up to this sorry old preacher to reach everyone in Denver City. You do what you can do. Among your oikos. Now, this sorry old preacher, better be doing his business too, be doing his part. But we do it together. We partner together. Don't look, Alfred. Don't look at me like I'm such a sorry old preacher, please. <laughs> and so, when we think about uh, sharing Jesus, we we think well, that that's a scary sort of thing, but that's a a real tangible sort of a need, and we can do that. Remember, it's as simple as A, B, C. Help them understand that they're a sinner. They admit they're a sinner and, and believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that they too can choose to give their lives back to Him and follow Him. And as they do that, and it, it's not the words they say, it's not the prayer they pray, it's the intention of the heart. And we've got to ask ourselves, do we have a heart for people? who's on your heart for heaven who do you want to join you there for all of eternity that you're concerned about right now that are not on their on not on that path at all see in eternity as we look at the rest of this section we're not going to be able to take our stuff the only thing we could take into eternity is, is our, our character, the way we've been obedient, our faithfulness. Our, and, and the Scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we'll be rewarded for everything we've done, the evil and, and good. The, the great part about that 2 Corinthians 5.10 is that at 2 Corinthians 5.21, it reminds us that for our sake, Jesus took the evil that we've done. It became sin for us and exchanged his righteousness for our sin. So our evil is covered, 2 Corinthians 5.21. But the good we do, will will be rewarded for. We'll take that with us. But we'll also take the relationships that we have made for Jesus and the disciples that we've had made. So lots of times in our world, people have given themselves over to, to making a lot of, a money or, or acquiring a lot of stuff, but they hadn't been concerned about making friends with their money and their stuff, building relationships, and the kingdom, and all that stuff is going to fade away and burn. Their kids are going to fight over that stuff. I'm sorry if you've got stuff you you treasure that much, but that's usually what happens, but relationships last forever when we point people to Jesus and share with them how they can live forever. So as we, as we look at that very first question, we don't want to blow our, our own horn, we don't want to blow trumpets, we don't draw attention to the things that we do, that's not the point. The point is what Matthew 5.16 says is that we let our light shine so that they'll see our good works and they'll not bring us glory as the Pharisees and the scribes wanted so much. They, they wanted so much attention. They were the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about in this section. They were the, the, on the outside, they looked like they had it all together. The word hypocrite means to play actors that everyone thought that they were the ones that were good and godly. But on the inside, they were rotten. And so we don't want to be like that. We want to let our light shine so that people will bring not us glory but the Father glory because He knows. He knows what's been done. And He knows our hearts and the way that we've done it. It's all about motivation. Are we doing it so people will look at us? Are we doing it so people will look to Him? And of course we're doing it If we do it the way He's calling us to do it, if we do it the right way, we're doing it so people will look to Him. The more we lift Him up, the more He's going to draw people to Him because Jesus is the one who saves people's souls and we remind ourselves and we remind everyone who will listen that that He's the answer, the hope, in the midst of whatever concerns us. So where's your heart? Do you have a heart for those people? Who are in need. Let's look at the second section I want us to to go through. 19 is where we're going to look at. 19 all the way through 24. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So the second question on your outline I want you to consider is, which master, what master, are you devoted to Jesus gives us two options here, and when he says hate and love he, he means just your opportunity to to choose or to love or not to choose to to hate and so when when we look at at the options, the options are mammon or money which is a more mammon is more encompassing not just money itself, not just cash but all the things money can buy, all the stuff money can buy or The other option, the better option to give your heart to, is God. And He'll take care of all of the other stuff. So it's an act of of worship when we give our heart to God, but it's an act of idolatry when we give our hearts to money. Now think about this for just a moment. It it doesn't say in the Scripture, uh, having money is bad, ever. What it says is, is the love of money is the root of all evil. So you can love money, whether you have a lot, and I've said it many times before, or you have just a little, you can love it. You can always be thinking about it and wanting more. And what he says is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. The psalmist says it this way, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now think about that for just a moment. First and foremost, You give your heart to the Lord. You delight yourself in the Lord. You are satisfied in Him. And then you want whatever you want to want. Because when you do that first, your desires are different. Your desires line up with His desires for you. Does God want you to to experience joy and and blessing and all that. Yes, he does. Absolutely, he wants you to flourish, and, and he wants you to have life. But we have somehow, some way, equated flourishing with how big our bank account is, or how much money uh, we are worth, or or how much um, how many things we have. In that day, wealth was registered by cloth. And by how much grain you had in the, in the bin or, or stored up, or, or precious metals, in our day, we register it by our, our portfolios, or by the size of our houses or uh, the newness or the luxury of our, our vehicles, or whatever we look to to measure. And what he's saying is, all of that stuff is temporary. Cloth would be eaten by moss. The grain would be infested by mildew or rust. And thieves would break in. And the word for thieves there is literally mud diggers. The houses were made of mud, and they would dig through the mud, break in, and steal. Can all go in an instant. Stock market can crash in an instant. Price of oil can crash in an instant. We know all of that is fleeting and temporary. And yet we give so much of our time and energy and heart and passion to it, to protecting it, to ensuring it, to storing it, to taking care of it. Think about it. It's, it's going to be gone. If not in our lifetime, it's all going to wear out, at least in our children's lifetime. Think about the thing we've given so much attention to and time to. In 100 years, where's it going to be? What's your house going to look like in 100 years? Know any 100-year-old houses around here? Of course not. We're only like eighty something years old around Denver City. Think about where the world is headed in in light of eternity and what what Jesus is telling us here is focus focus there. What grabs your heart as your treasures? Is it the things that grab the Lord's heart like like children and the church and lost people and, and families. There's so many things that grab his heart. Are those the things, those are the things you're you're treasuring and giving your attention to? Or are they other things? Because this money stuff and mammon stuff is so deceptive, so mysteriously idolatrous. You know what an idol is. Anything that creeps in the place of God that you give your attention and affection and love toward. And there's so many things that our culture lends itself toward. But how about you? follower of Jesus. Where's your heart? What's your heart devoted to? When I was growing up, uh, my uncle was the first guy I knew that had a brand new car. His name is Dean Seawright. He lives in Wichita, Kansas. He worked for Rainbow Bread from the time he was 19 till the time he was like 61 or 2. He was so proud. Anheuser-Busch bought that bakery, and he was like number two in seniority over hundreds of people. He would tell that all the time, I finally made it to number number two. There was one guy that just wouldn't quit, I guess. and And, it, and he drove this 1973 Monte Carlo. Oh, man, he... My my uncle was just the coolest guy. In 1973, I was like four years old. And, and I remember him getting out of that. You know what a, a Monte Carlo, one of those long Monte Carlo. Some of you are old enough to remember those cars and, and how cool. He had sideburns and he wore bell bottoms and, and he had long hair. Man, he was cool. The only thing bad about him, is Brad, is he liked the OU Sooners and he liked the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was a big Dodgers fan. Well... He, he built his own house, and he worked hard, and his wife never worked outside the home, and he worked a couple of jobs. And I, I just wanted to kind of materially, worldly, be like him. Today, he's 79 years old, and he has Alzheimer's. And had it several years. Praise the Lord, he's a godly man, too. But all, none of that, that 73 Monte Carlo is long gone. One day that house he built is going to be gone. All the stuff that he has invested in gone. And all that matters is what he's done for Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You and I know that. And yet, we so easily forget that. Don't let your heart be grabbed by money. Again, 1 Timothy 16. I think we had that verse if you want to see it. Just to remind you of what it says. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Pursuing things that don't last. So check your heart. Where is it devoted? Who's ruling? Who's Lord? The final question I want you to see, beginning in verse 25, that Jesus says, that's why I tell you not to worry. The question is, what are you worried about and why? And Jesus says in verse 25, why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry About these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers or pagans. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Live this moment. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. You do that, you worry. I think we all have a tendency, even as believers, to to worry think about things over and over and wonder what's going to happen when this is a time in our lives that we've never faced before. We we wonder where our world's headed. We wonder where our country's headed. We wonder where our economy's headed. We wonder where our local community is is going. And we we worry about job loss. And we we worry about the, the price of oil. And we worry about things in our radar. Jesus says, hold on. There's no need to worry. God can take care of you. If he takes care of the birds, you ever stopped and just watched a bird? You you ever had a bird feeder and you just spent some time and it's a peaceful kind of thing, but it's also, those birds are so jittery and moving all the time trying to find something, and yet they are primarily dependent upon what? is brought to them. They don't make their own food. They can't grow their own crops. And yet, God feeds those birds. And what Jesus is saying, you, you're more valuable than those birds. God cares for you more than He cares for the birds. Are you really worried about where your next meal is coming from? If you are, I, I, I want to know. Because I know there are people in this place, myself included, that will make sure you get your next meal. We don't have to worry about those things, do we? We're not like the majority of the world. Think about this for just a moment. As as Americans, we are so blessed. I've told you this over and over. The statistics change a little bit, but not much. There are a billion people in our world that live on less than a dollar a day. There are another 3 billion people in this world you and I inhabit on planet Earth that live on less than $2 a day. That won't even buy you a cup of coffee hardly at McDonald's anymore. Less than $2 a day. So that means there are 4 billion people over half the world that live on less than $2 a day. Those folks are trying to survive. And you and I are so blessed to have opportunity to help and give. And you ought to every chance you get. The Lottie Moon, the Christmas offering is coming up. We do a lot of that. The Hungry um, hunger offering comes around in May. And, and we, we think about, we can do those kind of things. We know. But we also ought to remember. Not only are we so blessed to give and do those things, but God's going to take care of us. We're not worried about those basic necessities. Food and clothing, he says. Clothing, you're worried about what you're wearing? Solomon, in all his glory, the richest man who ever lived, couldn't even match the flowers in the field. You ever driven through the hill country during the blue bonnet season, or wildflower season? You know what Jesus is talking about. Happened in Israel that way too. The beauty of his creation. God clothes the field with those flowers he can clothe you. If you're worried about what you're going to wear or you need or you know somebody it, that who is They might not be in this place, but you might know somebody. And there may be people we want to know. Because this church is good about meeting those needs. We praise the Lord. He has blessed us that way. to be a blessing to our community. If you know, please do that. But remind yourself, too. You don't have to worry. You can pray. Remember what Paul says in Philippians 4? On the screen it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. He already knows that. But thank Him for what He's already done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that King James Version there. That's what I I know the peace that passeth understanding will guard your hearts. So, if you worry, why are you praying? If you're not trusting in the Lord, why do you pray? And if you're praying, why do you worry? I know there are things that to worry about. But I also know there's a God who's overcome it all. Remember Jesus said in this world you will have trouble, but I leave peace with you. In John 16, He says you're going to have trouble here. Oh, we know that. But take heart. Have courage. Have faith. Because I, Jesus says, have overcome the world. Let's pray together. Father, we want to seek your kingdom above all else. We want to live right. And Lord, we want to trust that you will give us everything we need according to your riches and glory. Lord, we don't want to worry about tomorrow, but there there are times we do. And Lord, remind us of your great provision that's available to us. Father, we ask right here, right now. If there's somebody in this place that, that doesn't know what it's like to live with you as their father, providing all their needs. That today would be the day they come to know you. They'd accept what you've done for them on the cross and choose to follow you. That they would begin to live the way you're teaching us to live in this sermon. For the King. In your kingdom, Lord. And we would all live for you, an audience of one, and not be so concerned about what other folks think, but be primarily concerned about pleasing You and living for You. Father, I pray not only for those who need to make You king, but I pray for those who are already a part of Your kingdom, that we would seek Your kingdom first and trust You to add all the needs, to meet all the needs we have after that. Lord, we know we've come here because You are worthy to trust and to worship and You are most certainly worthy of our hearts. We know, Jesus, You paid it all. So help us now Remember, we owe you everything and to give back all oh, you're calling us to give back ourselves first and the resources you've blessed us with. In your holy name we pray. Amen.